I don't think any any need to do an intro as we normally do, as uh, Lisa's not here with us today. But uh, we do have a friendly face. We have Dean Simone from the Smoking Cobras has returned hey, hey, hey. to get uh-huh. Yeah. Hey, man, I see it. I love that. I love that, man. There it is. Yeah. Looks good yeah, on there. Aaron asked me what size shirt I wear one time, right after he saw oh, your yeah. show over the summer. Oh, I'm going to give me a shirt, but uh, still waiting. I haven't seen any. I, I forgot <laughs> to bring address, it up. Man. I'll get you one, brother. Just tell All me. Right. Yeah, I'll wear that. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, right on, man. With, and there's a lot of colors, thing, too. To let you guys know, uh, Game Day is on Tubi now, our movie oh, game. Sweet. So we're on Tubi, and we're on Apple Plus. So nice. we're expanding, man. So Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Congrats. Congratulations. Thanks, right. man. Really, really good movie. We uh your first appearance, we talked about it. Um a uh a peek behind the curtain of a fanatical Philadelphia Eagles family on Eagles game fans. day. Congratulations on your Phillies, incidentally. Man, right. I'm you know what? Um I can't say well, I don't think I can say what series it is, but I just got a uh recurring role on an Adam McKay show. Oh, which very I nice. start filming t- tomorrow. So I'm thrilled, but I might miss the first game of wow. the World series. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah. But in, I, in this world, you can watch it on demand pretty easily. We can. But of course, you know, when you have like, like, I know you guys are crazy. Uh, you'll, you'll know whether to skip it too. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I got to like this. Uh, and, and I have so many buddies that know that I'm like, the diehard yeah. Philly fan that even if I turned up every single alert and notice on my phone, there's like 30 people that like text me as soon yeah, as you have anything. to power it off. Yeah. So, I mean, so I'm just going to be like, that's all right. I might, I'll miss the first one, but, but um, Aaron Nola on the mound, we'll see what happens, man. Yeah. You guys, thank you very much for, uh, for uh, Nick, man. He's for sure. I was, tears, man. I was kind of a, I was, I felt like it was a toss up with you in San Diego, Phillies in San Diego. Cause San that. Diego's never won. Phillies only won two in a hundred and however many years. <laughs> yeah. 1903 was the first world series and the Phillies were around before that. I know. The Phillies are the losing, losing is franchise in yeah. major sports. So yeah. man, uh, we have definitely, like uh paid our dues without a shadow of a doubt man so but i'm thrilled i'm super happy for my dad because my dad literally has not missed a game i mean we have the tickets so we saw every game but i would be in and out and i got so pissed at them halfway through the season and i'd be like man that's it because i really felt like the, the team was built in such a weird way you know i mean it was like it was almost yeah, they, they're uh, disregarding defense <laughs> Completely. Right. And bullpen, which which has come along now in an incredible way. But when we have a team full of a very unphillies bullpen. Completely, man. And we have a team full of sluggers and not a lot of guys, at least during the season, that hit for average and hit timely. But man, I don't know, guys. We're kind of like hitting stride, man. It's like guys are hitting timely right now. And let's face it, man, I mean Bryce Harper. That guy's looking like the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. guy. That I was Bones, never a big Bones fan. making the throw across the diamond most of the time. I know. <laughs> I, was, on that. I was never a big fan of Harper when he was younger. But when you think about it, he was 19 years old. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, he, he had some growing pains. You know, like, uh, I don't know what he said to Jonathan Papelbond that one, made him want to, you know, strangle the life out of him, but I can imagine. <laughs> but, but he's older, now, and, and this was like a defining moment for him, that home run. Oh, was yeah. Just, 
And let's Ooh. face it, uh, Jonathan Papelbaum was a complete jackass. He was a douche, yeah. Yeah, total yeah. douche. And uh, well, so He was I, a Philly at one time, right? Oh, yeah, he was a Philly. Uh, and I'll tell you, he was a Philly that was hard to root for, man. I mean, yeah. most, most of us were like, we, we, we loved him in spite of himself just because he was a Philly. But, man, most of us, like, got the fact that he was a jackass and d- did not like him. Even but, people who weren't Phillies or Red Sox fans that ever owned him in fantasy baseball know the feeling. Yeah. I mean, he did that talent, but he was erratic. And I think a lot of those guys are erratic. But I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I mean, obviously, I think Houston has the better squad. Um, but I feel like we got that mojo, man. I'm not sure, man. We just had that yeah. little crazy magic. And uh, we'll, we'll see if it happens, man, if it, if it goes. But, guys, I'm excited as hell, man. I can't wait. Somebody made a tweet in uh... – 2019, I think, where he predicted the next 10 World Series, and he he got the first, you know, he got 2019, 20, and 21 right, and he predicted the Phillies for 22. There you yeah. go. There what about go. that ground ball that went up the middle and hit the base? Yeah, that was nuts. That was beautiful. <laughs> that, yeah. that's, the that kind was, of, that's the kind of postseason. That's when you know you got the mojo going. Right. You know, funny thing, I don't know how you guys feel because I know you're big sports fans in general, but I know you guys kind of lean to the baseball side. Um, I like them all pretty much the same. One issue I have with baseball, it's not an issue, but man, it makes me so nervous. Postseason baseball to me is the most nerve wracking. It, it really is nerve wracking. I can't, like, I got to stand. Especially if up. it's your team. <sighs> yeah. It's too it's much fun my- to think, you know, yeah. in pitches, man. Right. Well, there's a lot of ground between like the third and the seventh inning. There's a lot, you know, you get there, you might have a little lead. You feel like, man, there's an eternity to go. So, you know, I know. Well, yeah. I'm sorry your Reds took a little shot this year, man, but uh, that's a proud franchise, man. I'm sure you guys will make a rebound. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. We're all upset at the owner. Yeah. The yeah. owner. Yeah, what I've heard. yeah. Well, anyway. He said, where are you going to go on it, opening day? The Phillies are fighting and the Eagles are flying. So. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. how. Are the Eagles doing well? They're oh, undefeated. Yeah. And they just picked up one of the best pass rushers uh, at the trading deadline, uh, Quinn from uh, Chicago. And they're actually trying to get Kamara from uh, – Wow, trading deadline already, huh? Dude, man, I'm telling you. It's like this just might be the year to be Philly, man. I don't know. We'll see. I miss it. I look at it, man, when, uh, you know, being out here. And I I love Los Angeles. Like, I know, Aaron, you're out here. and, And I love L.A., man. I mean, I love it. But I love Philly, too, and it's, man, fall is like homesick time for me, man. I really, really, really miss it back there. So Santa Monica Boulevard, we love it. We do love it, man. <laughs> we do love I it. I love it. We've hung through it. You know, my ex went out with him. I don't with know. Andy Newman. No. I, I don't know if I should, I should tell this story. Oh, um, yeah. We're all about it. Oh. This is Bill a, this, can always cut it out. Okay. Yeah. This is an exclusive. You know, I was uh, – I was a young moron, basically. I think I was like maybe 20 or 21 years old. And uh, I got married pretty young. And um, just, you know, you get married young, it's tough. So um, we broke up after about a year and a half. And um, she started going out with Randy Newman. And she is actually the redhead that he alludes to in I Love L.A. I Love L.A. song. Right. So (laughs) I'm driving through Studio City and – my at that time wife is in the car with me and uh, we're back together again. And um, sure enough, there's Randy Newman in a yellow Mercedes with the, with the, you know, the drop top going up. 
oh yeah and i'm like complete young rocker moron and i'm just like jump out of the car and like and start yelling at the dude <laughs> my wife uh, oh, no. yeah you know so um and this was not long after which ties us into our thing tonight but this is the truth this is not long after when uh lennon had been um uh, shot and killed. So I'm sure poor Randy Newman was like, who is this idiot? And what's this all about? So um, at any rate, that was my Randy Newman story. He was actually really cool about it. And I mean, now I'm happily remarried and I have great respect for Randy Newman, but I, I so Randy, if you're out there, I'm really sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I would be afraid because Randy has this kind of like acerbic uh, reputation anyway. His music even kind of is. Yeah, you know, he'll write a nasty song about you. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, he, could, he could definitely write a nasty song about That's me. That's not a saw less dramatics on a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> well, people, no, I, I, I have great respect for the guy, man. I definitely do. But when you're 21 or 22 years old, you know, you're yeah. what can I say? Yeah. At least, at least I was, you know. Yeah, no, no, I can vouch for being an idiot at that age. Yeah. I'm trying to think of an entry point into our topic. You kind of started, uh, you had a little segue there. But you know what? I Did you watch the Beatles documentary last year, Peter Jackson? The Get, the Get Back? Get Back. Yeah, I was, uh, well, I mean, I've watched it like three times. I yeah, mean, I'm, I'm I watched it twice in like three days yeah i'm blown away by it i mean i also felt i i also felt that paul got vindicated and rightfully so in it because i really felt like in being a guy that has led bands before that's not so much the case in the smoke and cobras because these guys are just such amazing dudes and they're really together all of them are together there's no need for a leader in our band because everyone is a together person but i've been in bands um where you got to take the lead and they're all giants. So, I mean, Paul was just like kind of trying to, you know, get it going and they have, they were on a deadline and they had to get it happen. And I think a lot of people through the years have sort of vilified Paul in the situation. And I thought he kind of came out slightly vindicated. What do you guys think? Definitely. Um, I came out of the whole thing with a much higher regard for Ringo. Ringo's I mean, cool, aside, man. aside from his drumming, he's the only one that was always there on time. <laughs> oh right, right. He was always there waiting for them, you know, patiently sitting there, you know, tapping his fingers and agreeable and, with everybody. He was the coolest. Super cool. I think guy. it changed perception all across the board about almost everything. Like Yoko, her role, you know, did she didn't come across yeah. nearly as yeah. invasive. No, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know, um, you never know. You know, I read this I read this uh interview once by Marlon Brando, who uh Here's a segue, but I'll throw it out. Uh, clumsy but true. Marlon Brando and John Lennon are absolutely my two favorite artists. You know, they're like they're like right up there. And um, Brando talked about a lot of perception and people's perceptions. And his comment was, he said he used to know, um, I think it was Stella Adler's father, who was like this old Jewish guy who was, uh, you know, just come to this country. And when people would say criticisms of people uh, that they didn't know or criticize from afar, he would always say, was your dad, Charlie? And I think, uh, you know, that's kind of how I feel about it. It's like, was you there? And no, I wasn't. So I, there's no way to know yeah. the dynamics of it. Right. Who can, you know, um, and I think that's yeah. the case with so many things, you know. I think it would be good, uh, you know, like people will listen to the or watch The Last Waltz. A lot of people watch it as a Thanksgiving, uh, you know, uh, routine. I think this is going to become a routine for me. I'm going to revisit that 
that whole documentary and probably listen, you know, watch it again this holiday. That but I thought good. the one thing that stuck out, we're, we're, we're going to talk about John today. Remember the scene where they had the surveillance on uh, John and Paul when they went to the cafeteria? And they yeah, were trying to they had audio flower pot in yeah. the flower pot. Right. Yeah. What did you guys what think you... of that? What was your thought on that? I thought that John would have been absolutely shady. irate if he had known that happened. I mean, just knowing him, I mean, he would have. He probably would have shut down the whole operation. You know, yeah. there'd have been no yeah. original Let It Be movie and. He probably stomped that was a, out. That was a sketchy move. On, yeah. on it was a sketchy move, Aaron. I know, man. What's, what's that what? guy's name? The uh, Hog? The one, yeah, Ian David Hog or something right. like that. Because I know in Spinal Tap, they uh, they made a reference to him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, in, in Spinal Tap, the uh, owner of the um, of the record label was something Eaton Hog. So. Oh, yeah. I remember always seeing that and thinking, ah, they're referencing, uh, but Christopher Guest, man, he's another guy that I love. But yeah, I I got the same feeling you guys got. I mean, I was thinking, man, John probably would have been pissed. But one thing that I took away from it was, um, man, there was a certain reverence uh, there to John from all of those guys in the band. John was like, you know, he was like the leader still, even though Paul was the oldest too, right? Completely. And he had the thump factor where I think he could basically thump any of them and actually thumped a couple of them. So I yeah, think it's definitely going on, man, for sure. George is still a baby, man. I know. Right. My yeah. second, my second favorite Beatle is George without a shadow of a doubt. And I love George, um, but I love them all. Love the Beatles, man. Right, right. Yeah, John, he had, he had a really good time. You know, it seemed like he really carried the uh, – or drove a lot of the shenanigans, for lack of oh, a better yeah. word. You know? And, uh, yeah, um, just well, got a really well, good sense. In, in honor of our show, I'm using uh, this cup tonight for my coffee right there. Oh, there Hard it. Day's Night. Yeah. There it is, man. So, nice. to all the boys, man. I'd have all my Beatles porcelain bottles. cheers. Yes. When I was 10 years old, I beat them up with a baseball bat and cracked them all. But, <laughs> but uh, so. That's just sad. When was <laughs> So that was 1969 when they were doing, was it 69 when they were cutting that movie? Well, interestingly, yes. I mean, it was 69. and the thing Like, that's like made, December of 69. It might have gone into New Year's of 70 a little bit. Mm-hmm. And here's the incredible thing. And, and, and here's our segue. Um, this album that we're going to talk about tonight was recorded or released in December, on December 11th of 1970. And... John was still in the Beatles when this came out. That's right, yeah. And this album was three guys, man, which was Klaus Vorman, who goes back to the Hamburg days of the Beatles and longtime Beatle friend, amazing bassist. Ringo played drums on all the tracks and John. And that's all that was on that record, except for Billy Preston did a a couple of tracks, which we'll talk about. And Phil Spector. A little bit of Yoko. Little oh, Yoko, yeah, and 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 Phil Spector was the quote unquote producer, though I'm not really sure how much he really produced. Yeah, I think but, he played uh, a little bit of piano on something. Yeah, Phil he played Spector, maybe he played piano on on um uh love love. Uh, that was pretty That's much the only thing that he that he played on with it. So, uh, but I mean, this did occur while the Beatles were still together. Uh, this album was recorded, so yeah, I think a lot of times power well, trio, <laughs> power trio, man. Paul Proto grunge. Yeah. Completely, man. Totally. 
I was yeah. reading about it. Um, John was taking primal therapy from someone named Arthur Janov or Yanov. Yeah. Um, which involves a lot of screaming. When you think of uh, revolution, you know, you think yeah. of, you know, John really. And then this, on this album, it was very evident, you know, he incorporated a lot of that. And the whole album really was kind of personal, mm-hmm. not only from in that perspective, but, you know, it's autobiographical, mm-hmm. um, more so than most Beatle albums, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, oh, yeah, oh, I thought definitely had, it. you know, my one of my best friends out here, Deirdre Wilson, who is a, a dear friend and a terrific uh, actress and stuff. She um, her her boyfriend is uh, Janov's son. In fact, I was oh, wow. just talking to her about this today. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. They, they were in fact, um, he so he, he cracked about, him open and was regretted not being able to put him back together. Right? Yeah, well, I mean that, that's a, that's a, that's a tough Humpty Dumpty to uh, <laughs> to pick up those pieces and put together. John was a pretty complex guy with a lot of stuff there, and I think also John had a jaundiced eye with, um, you know, I think people would lead him for a while, but then I think he just basically, and we'll talk about that um, with um, I Found Out is definitely a song that, that talks about what exactly we're saying right now, where at first, you know, people feel like, oh, this is the guy, this is the answer, this is the way, and then he goes straight through it. So, yeah, I think Janoff was one of those guys for him, for sure. Yeah, I, I find that um, the whole song's kind of a list of uh, disappointments for John, the, not the whole song, the whole album. Other than like two songs, maybe love and hold on John or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say, um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's such a, it's such a deeply autobiographical song and let in a, the reality of it was is, and he was a young man when he made that. I don't even think he was 30 years old yet at that stage of the game. We're talking yeah, about he, he recorded some, he recorded, uh, one of the songs on his 30th birthday. Okay, 30, right. That's right. I did remember hearing that. So, yeah, George stopped by. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, um, yeah, you know, I think this, I think that the album is one of the most truthful rock and roll albums ever made. Certainly one of the rawest. I mean, it's, it is gorgeously sung. I mean, his vocals are just breathtakingly friggin' good. It's timeless as hell. I heard Dave Grohl talking about this album uh, on one of the podcasts I had heard him on, and he was saying it's like it's hands down his favorite album of all time. So it's so completely punk rock and raw, groundbreaking, live tracking going on in it where they're tracking at one time. Maybe the the you know the vocals were overdubbed. I, I did say proto grunge power trio, didn't I? Yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's God's honest truth, man. I mean, you listen to it like cold turkey, and cold turkey is like so sparse, and it's so love cold turkey. But was that on the album? Yeah, cold turkey's on that album. Oh, it's bonus track. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's there. I don't think it was on the original. Um, yeah. The original was Mother. Hold on. Um, I found out. Um, working class hero. Isolation. Yeah. Uh, Remember, love, well, 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 which well, is well. Another, yeah, I love that one. That's that's the grungiest one. That's the grungiest, dude. For sure. Uh, look at me, God, and uh, my mommy's dead. Who? That's like that, that, that's like freaking gut wrenching. That song. Man. Yeah, yeah. I, I was. Uh, that's curious. The way that the, the Beatles bled, kind of bled into this, or you know, he was already, you know, uh, 
spreading his wings, doing, you know, moving along. Yeah. Um, the, uh, we should, we should mention 24 minutes into the podcast. It is the <laughs> John Lennon and the Plastic Ono band's first album, right? Yeah. That's what we're discuss today. Um, with Dean Simone. Um, so, you know, we've given, there's so many things, you, so many tangents you could go to talk about John with. Like, uh, I, I love going to watch those old, uh, Mike Douglas episodes when he and Yoko yeah. were, uh, or Dick Cavett. Or Dick yeah. Cavett. Yeah. 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 Both of them. Mike Douglas. Yeah. Well, you guys don't, you guys are too young to remember Mike Douglas, right? No. We, well, I remember well, him. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, uh, late afternoon right after school kind of TV for us in late elementary, early middle school, maybe. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I guess we're closer to age than, than, than we're, I, we're mid, we're mid fifties, 54. Yeah. I'm, I'm 61, yeah. man. So okay. I mean, I, I'm uh, five, yeah. six years apart. Yeah. Yeah. But we're, we're similar generation, man. Yeah, so, so you, you would remember Mike Douglas much more than we do, but we He's remember who he was and the and sex. You, know, and, you know where he shot, right? I have no you idea were? where he shot. Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, he was pretty much an arch conservative and he brought John and Yoko on and they, uh, you know, they invited people like Bobby Seale, founder of the Black Panthers. Black Panthers. Yeah. Yeah. Ralph Nader. I know. That's so cool. Those, those, those uh, things on uh, those telecast, he was on it for a week. He was like the co-host or something. Yeah. Like a guest host or co-host. Yeah. Those are really good. And they give a little insight into to his personality, but we're here to talk about the album, of course. So why don't we dive into the album? Let's you know? do it. Yeah. Let's do yeah. it. Guys. So they they this the John John Lennon Plastic Ono Band album, not right. to be confused with the Yoko Ono oh, Plastic no. Ono Band album, exactly. Released on the same day, exactly. Interesting, kind of like Kiss. Mm-hmm. kind of definitely <laughs> so. And actually, initially, uh, what they were going to call it was John's album was going to be called Primal, and Yoko's owner was Yoko's album was going to be called Scream. Oh, like it, yeah. But it ended up being Yoko, uh, Plastic Ono Band for both, with just their names that were. Um, and George actually played much more. George didn't play at all on John's uh, album, but he played on Yoko's. Mm-hmm. When I, when I moved out here, there was one T-shirt in the in my girlfriend at the time's closet for a band called Scream. And that band w- had Dave Grohl as the drummer. It was his band before Nirvana. <laughs> really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Really? Is Pat Smear in that band too? He's been like in every band. I don't like, know Scream um, well enough. But in the, with that in, the guy smells like, in the Smells Like Teen Spirit video, he's wearing the same Scream t-shirt. Oh, really? Yeah. I gotta look at that. I never noticed that. It's like I a yellow remember, t-shirt with a little logo. Times, Pat Smear. Um, he was kind of like a staple on the scene, you know, out here at that time, he was kind of playing with everybody, but he was like the hottest guitar player yeah. around. There was him and, um, Tony Gillickson was another guy that was in the, um, and then he ended up playing in the blasters. Um, but there was like this group of, uh, guitar players that were like the hot shit dudes. And he was definitely one of them, man. And he's like, he's kind of really like, he, you know. He plays. He played with everybody. Yeah, very nice. First I'd heard of him was in a Sonic Youth song where they look up Pat Smear. (laughs) Yeah, what a career, man! You think about all the bands he's been in. I mean, that guy. When you think about, you know, if you wanted, he's the guy you'd want to interview if you wanted to talk about uh, music history. You know, 
Yeah, but, he'd be like a Forrest yeah, Gump type. Yeah, he's an accessible guy, man. You know, he really is a, a quite an accessible guy. He may be a guy that you guys may be able to reach out to. I mean, he seems like a dude that's like, uh, you know, open to uh, real people and, and real conversation, man. But he's definitely, yeah. like I said, I mean, I hung out with him a couple of times. He would have known me from a hole in the ground. But, but I mean, he was known in the scene and a couple of the parties. He was there. I, I used to see him around quite a bit. Yeah. Well, so the first track of our album this week, um, Mother. And when it started, I thought I was going to hear um, Hell's Bells. <laughs> I thought I was going to Yeah. It's just a the, little bit slower than the ACDC Bells. But yeah. Yeah. But I, that was that was cool, you know. And then, it, but the, the song went in quite a different direction at one point. But let's go ahead. Yeah, I was I was used to the song from the John Lennon collection, which I think had the bells cut off. Just starts right out.
some really dissonant stuff. So if you listen to these ultimate mixes on Apple Music, you can really hear the mix. And his left hand is doing some crazy dissonant stuff, man, um, that makes it seem like so like um, conflicting. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it's gorgeous, man. If you listen to it, uh, it with headphones and really check it out. Look, man, I mean, you start you start to track off with that song and um, you're talking about a rock star you're talking about someone at the level of elvis and muhammad ali that's showing such abandonment and such fear and such anger over it and hurt man i mean i don't know man i i'll i'll defy anybody to come up with a with an opening track that defy that defines an album any better than that i'm sure there's been ones out there that have done that uh, but this is just like out of the gate, man. Bam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very emotional song. The primal scream, you know, is yep. there. Yeah. Um, Dark side of the moon's an interesting opening, mm-hmm. but, but it doesn't, it doesn't totally, uh, it doesn't, it's not yeah. as impactful as mother is on this album though. I couldn't yeah, help but think not the song. Dark Side of the Moon because it's brilliant. I'm with you, man. Sure. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. But this is so naked and raw. And like you said earlier, yeah. I mean, this is like, man, you talk about punk rock. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, it's not punk rock in terms of <clears throat> it's not like the, yeah. you know, the the aggressive eighth notes, you know, going. But I'll tell mm. you what, man, that's punk rock vocals. And uh, oh, yeah. also, just as we listen through these guys, check out Alf. Friggin' awesome Ringo's drumming is on this album, man. Ringo's yeah. ass on this record, man. Yeah. I mean, and such an unselfish approach to drumming. But um That that came across and let it be really more than anything. Absolutely. Like, he, he's the he's the most egoless drummer you'll ever see. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't know squat about drumming, but I hear more and more drummers uh you know more and more you hear um praise for Ringo's drumming you know he, he his legend has grown you know he wasn't just uh fill in for Pete Bass or whatever you know he was actually an integral yeah. part of the, the band I mean, th- those three dudes from those Sentinel 60s bands which I would say Ringo Charlie Watts and um Keith Moon I mean, those guys really, and and of course, I guess you got to put John Bonham in there too, even though he's a little bit later than those dudes. But those four guys, I've never been great ones. So please don't anybody write me and text me or email me and say, "Oh, you forgot." About that. But those yeah. those dudes, as far as rock drummers are concerned, I know Ginger Baker, and I know there's a lot, and Levon Helm, and all those people. But those guys. They they wrote the book, man. I mean, they really did. They they were just amazing as far as rock drummers are concerned. Yeah, well, this was a, yeah, this was a major track on the album. First one, it reminded me. I saw this movie Nowhere Boy. It was about yeah. the Beatles growing up uh, in Liverpool and uh, John uh, being raised by his aunt because his mother yeah. was not around. Uh, eventually, he'd meet you know he met her you know so that you know it's part of his story you know that. The people should know that he had feminine um, mentors in his youth, you know, and that okay, really yeah. shaped a lot of his uh, thinking, I think, over time. I think that's so. a really good movie, Phil. I like that movie, man. I mean, there's flaws in it, but um, I thought I really enjoyed it. I thought the kid who played John Lennon did a, did a great job, man. I thought it was really, really good. Um, 
and I liked it. But yeah, yeah, definitely feminine. Uh, you know, Mimi was tough, man. Mimi was a tough old bird. What mm. year is Nowhere Boy? Do you think? Oh uh, God, that film? Maybe, maybe seven, eight years ago, maybe more. Yeah, I, think, I want to say like 2004 or something. We saw it yeah, at the S. I definitely, I didn't see it wow. for sure. That I didn't Jason know. Jack and him. But yeah, uh, great movie. Agree. Yeah. So the second track is uh, "Hold On." Um, the beginning to me sounds a little bit like "Don't Let Me Down." Really, I mean, yeah, that's a good call, Phil. Good ears, man. Yeah, I, I agree with you. But you know, I mean, actors, musicians, you know, we all have our little, we have our little, you know, bag of tricks that we pull from, and it's how much emotion we put into those tricks because we all have things that we gravitate towards. But I do agree with you; it is in that vein. But I think "Hold On" is beautiful, man. I mean. The, the line I love is like, world, ho- hold on, it's going to be all right. I mean, it's always Lennon's thing, man, to take a personal statement or, or, or a, a personal prerogative and make it um, a joint universal prerogative without being preachy and bitchy about it. And I, I think he does that. And also, I think, um, man, there's like uh, so much hope. And just a a peaceful element to that song. And I really feel like it's like very much, very much like a mantra. Don't you guys? Yeah, it's definitely the most easygoing song, I think, on the record. Sweet, man. I like that. I like that reverb tremolo thing, like that surfy guitar sound. It's cool. Oh, Cookie Cookie Monster whispers Cookie in here. Cookie! <laughs> I know, dude. I love that, Aaron, every time, man. I'm like, yeah, I don't know why he put it in there, but I'm happy he did. It felt like very yeah. cool, man. But I guess awesome. Sesame Street was kind of new then, too, still. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think you're right, man. But oh, nah, man, and, and Lennon, my, my, you know, that in that time, the art, the, you know, the look that John had, and I was in my formative years. And I was going to art fairs with my sister and, you know, you know, my mother was an artist and stuff like that. And, and when I listen to him now, and, you know, it, it reminds me of those days, you know, those days when I was really, you know, a child, you know, um, that's cool, huh? Early seventies. Clicks you back. So Phil, who was he your favorite Beatle? Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. My favorite Beatle. You yeah. too, Aaron, your favorite. Oh, yeah. 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 Me too. Yeah. Although, um, yeah, I, Paul gained some points in that movie and let it be, but right. uh, it's, it's, I'm still a John guy. Right. I love George yeah. too, you know, traveling me Wilbury. Too, no. me, me too. I'm, I'm with you, but I sure love that track, man. That track always makes me feel good. It kind of calms, it kind of calms me down when the seas are a little tumultuous, man. And I think it's a, yeah, I love it. I love the fact that he does, he does mother, which has got so, so much, turmoil in it and then he goes into hold on and it's like god man think about think about this shit man think about being like a young person and hearing that album come out and you're a big beatles fan and here comes this album in 1970 the beatles john lennon's doing this thing away from the beatles and you hear the honesty in these tracks and you hear this kind of like gut um reality i mean I can't imagine what that would have been like. It would have blown my ass away. It blows my ass away now, all these years later. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I love, I love. Hold on, I think it's, a, I think it's a beautiful track. That, that's some interesting things you said right there because I'm thinking about like the magical mystery tour. Like some people look at that as the low, the, the, the worst, the lowest part of the Beatles uh, canon or whatever. And then, and then they kind of, they're almost all good songs when you put it on. <laughs> um, but then 
things started to fall out from that. They got disillusioned by the uh, Bagwan Rajneesh, you know. Um, and that kind of segues into the next song, I think. I found out. I, I feel like that has some connection to uh, the John's disillusionment with some things that they had embraced or he had embraced during that point in his life, whether it's with the Beatles or not, but that, you know, he's been coming out of that uh, period. Why don't we play a little bit of that? on that one uh rage cynicism snarling mm-hmm. uh just fuzzy uh, and bluesy <laughs> bluesy and not in a petulant childish way in a like a uh what the frig is going yeah. on here way and the line i've seen religion from jesus to paul mm-hmm. uh what a that's a great line what a great line the I like the bass in this one too. Klaus has got, he's playing like some Paul McCartney licks. It feels like almost. Dude. And I love, he's playing that, he's playing that P bass. Um, my guess is through an SVT, but man, they've got that like cool piano tone on the bass where it's like all through the album, Klaus Borman just like shredded that, that tone yeah. and that approach do not overplay, do not eat up frequency. And him and Ringo are just awesome. And John's guitar playing is so tasty and on the mark and rhythmic and 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 snarling and angry and and you know, I just I love it. Again, another one of my favorite tracks. Um and you guys think about it, man. That's 1970, man. That's 1970, and that's like that's like finding out a lot then. That's like pre-Stooges, man. Like Stooges stuff. Yeah. That's like that's like stuff, you know, that it just it just was like a blueprint, man. It was a blueprint of so much stuff that came after that. And um let's face it, I mean, when have we not felt I've felt it, I'm sure you guys have felt it too, when you believe in someone or something and you and you you really go along for a while and then uh, all of a sudden it's like, man. I'm being lied to. I'm being conned. I'm being bamboozled. There's something going on here. This song goes hand in hand with God, the track later. It's got uh, kind of the same message, what you believe in and don't believe in. You guys are going to have to give me the hook on God. We could do do an entire show. Hey, hey, Phil's the editor. I I, I say we keep going and going and going. I I got all kinds of thoughts on God, and I'll tell you about all kinds of crazy shit. We'll get to it, I'm sure. Yeah, Yeah. we're getting there. I agree. That is the penultimate uh, song of the album. I want to talk about Klaus another minute. Um, So he played with all all the Beatles except Paul, right, In, in many projects. Yeah, well, he was Ringo's dude. He was he was George's guy. Um, um, Klaus Vorman is a badass man. That guy was like, psh, like kick ass, tasty. Yeah, he was. He, he played on All Things Must Pass, right? Which is like 
another one of my absolute favorite, favorite, favorite albums of all time. Yeah. And seeing that in Let It Be is mind blowing too. The Beatles doing All Things Must Pass. And those, so many of those songs did not, or George had and could not get on those albums. Yeah. George was dismissed pretty, you know, out out of hand a lot. I know. And I I love George. I love the story in um um in the Scorsese documentary when uh Tom Petty, another guy I love, God rest his soul, <laughs> talking about um when Roy Orbison passed away and he mm-hmm. said that George called him at like seven in the morning. And he, if you guys heard that story when he says that and he picks up the- we did we did a Wilberry's episode. Okay. We probably and- did, but but yeah. He picks up the phone and there's George and <laughs> he says the first thing out of George George's mouth is, aren't you glad it wasn't you? <laughs> <laughs> That's George, man. You know, I, I did mean, not hear that story. I don't remember. That yeah. <laughs> and Tom Petty was like, <laughs> Tom Petty went, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that you mention it. <laughs> How do you answer that kind of honesty, man? It's, and, a, it's a great way to set somebody's perspective straight. Right. And That's um, George, man. For sure. For sure. Well, the next track, Working Class Hero, um, me had kind of a uh, folk, more of a folkish tone to it, uh, kind of a Bob Dylan vibe, I guess. Um, Keep you doped up with religion, sex, and on TV. Right. Class Hero is something to be. I I, I kind of took that to mean that maybe it's nothing to be, (laughs) you know, to really work all your life and become crippled. It's amazing, man. I mean, as soon as you're born, they make you feel small by giving you no time instead of it all. Um, you know, I mean, I, I came, my dad was like, uh, moved past the background of my family. My, my, my great grandfather was dirt poor, um, working on the railroad, uh, Italian, basically slave labor, man. My, my other grandfather was a, was a mechanic or and my other one was a huckster. My dad was the first white collar guy in, in our family. And so, uh, being a working class person was, a, was a matter of pride in my family. I mean, that's what we all were. I didn't really grow up that way as much, but everyone around me was that way. So that song and what that song talks about, I mean, I feel I, for me, Liverpool seems like so, um, juxtaposed to, uh, Philadelphia because Philly is such a working class town. Um, and, um, Man, I, I I think, and you guys tell me what you guys think, but to me, I think what he's saying in that song is like, um, hey, this is what I am. This is where I come from. And um you can you can reach whatever pinnacle you want, but when it's all said and done, here we are, you know, we're all fucking peasants as far as I can see. Mm-hmm. And um he doesn't mean that in a hateful way. You know, I think he means that in a uh, we are what we are and we shouldn't feel bad about it because they're trying to manipulate us and and move us in directions that we don't necessarily want to be moved in so that they can make more fortunes on us. But, um, you know, that <laughs> that's one of the greatest acoustic songs of all time, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So many people have covered it. too. It almost seems to me like you're saying like no good deed goes unpunished. Very sympathetic. The protagonist of the song is definitely is sympathetic to the working class hero, but just to be something to be is uh kind of sad. <laughs> you know, right? it's kind of yeah. 
We're all fucking religion, like you said. You know, I mean, that's uh, and I, you know, I'm a religious guy, but but I do get it. I do understand. I do understand what he's saying there. Um, and guys, it, it hurt the airplay putting all all the fucking peasants line in there. He, he couldn't get it on the radio because of yeah, it. because he, and EMI um, wouldn't even let him print it on the liner notes. So on the liner notes, when you look at the album liner notes. When the lyrics are listed, where fucking is, is got an asterisk. Uh, and then at the bottom of the page, with the, there's an asterisk and it says, upon the insistence of EMI. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and he's smart. You know, he's always been a smart guy. I thought, thought it was going to be expletive deleted, but it was too soon for that, wasn't it? Too soon yeah. for that. Yeah. Pre-rap, baby. You know, that's before the rappers. Pre, pre, Pre-Watergate. Pre-Watergate pre- tapes. Watergate, right? Aaron, good point. You know, would have deleted. <laughs> crazy, man. Totally crazy. But I really like the last track, of the first side, Isolation. Oh. I like the way it hangs on, on I. You know, that, to me, that's profound. Yeah. The way it kind of hangs on that and really hashes that out. Yeah, and, it's poetic. Uh, Guys, yeah. I love that song, Beyond Words. I mean, first of all, doesn't it apply to today with all of us on our phones? And isolated, and in our room, and on quarantined. our computers, quarantined with 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 um COVID and all that stuff going down. God, man, it just so totally captures the loneliness and the um, but still determined to somehow reach out, man. But it's got, I mean, it's amazing. John and Yoko against the world. John and Yoko against the world, and then that line with the stops when he says. I don't expect you to understand after you've caused so much pain, but then again, you're not to blame. You're just a human, a victim of the insane. Goosebumps again. <laughs> Damn, man. That dude wrote that shit. Like, I mean, I can't even imagine what it's like to have that sort of insight and then ability also to deliver it. And then the vocals on that break when he's saying that, man. Um, Who's playing the organ keyboard? gospel licks is that john that's john that's john i'll 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 insert a a good section of that in there um well let's play a little bit here people say we got it made don't they know we're so afraid We're afraid to be alone Everybody got to have a home Isolation Just a boy and a little girl Trying to change the whole wide world Something about that I just wanted to throw in as well is that John had only really been playing piano for two years at that point and and really plays piano the way that I play piano, which is my left hand just does guide notes and I can play like certain melodies and things with my right hand. But it's a very simplistic line. And I believe um, 
I'm not sure somebody might have doubled that with him, but um, it's uh, those lines are so simplistic and beautiful that honestly, I, I think if they were more complicated, that it might have gotten in the way of the vocals and the rhythm drive. And also one thing I want to say before we go to side two is do bear this in mind that this album is really it is really the it is the engine that drove the Beatles because Paul, as brilliant as he was, was not really a driving rhythmic type of bass player. He was a melodic framing bass player and George was a painter. Um, but John and Ringo were the they were the engine that was the Beatles. And in all different facets from mid tempo to mellow to rocking like a son of a bitch. This album is a celebration not only of John's poetry and his raw vocal abilities, but it's also a celebration of the of the engine, the rhythmic yeah. engine that was the Beatles, man. Of, of Ringo's ability to keep John in time. <laughs> totally, man. Completely. Should we um should we take a break between flipping yeah, the record? Well, so we're back. Dean, you mentioned um playing piano as we talked about the last song. And uh, remember opens with, uh, I mean, some seriously pounding, you know, keys, you know, tickling the ivories on that one. That's a kind of a, a stomper, I guess. I've, I've read a few things about this song, you know, just decided to go down the road a little bit. I read uh, some comments that uh, they sort of took some of the melody from something and kind of uh, incorporated that into this song. Yeah, this was originally the outro to something. From I guess what's that the White Album? I had never heard that. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's uh, Abbey Road. Road, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's crazy, guys. I've never and heard they, that. They, they, hear they, it they cut it. They cut it off of the end of something, and then he used it for this. Yeah, right, right. That's it. Wow. Um, also, really, I have never heard that, man. That is a trip. It's one of my, it's one of my favorite songs on the album. I mean. I, I mean, no pun intended. I'm starting to sound like a broken record, but I like, like, like I love every song. Remember, yeah. so awesome. It's like fatherly hope, you know? It's like yeah, telling us to hang in, you know? And the, this song, I think, is the closest to melancholy that he gets on the entire record. And I just love the line, uh, and don't you worry about what you've done and don't feel sorry for the way it's gone. It's so uh, reassuring and just sweet and honest and as is everything in this album real one of my favorite songs and then the mm -hmm. 5th of november at the end <laughs> oh yeah yeah a reference to guy fox night which is yeah. a holiday exactly. i guess similar to fourth of july in england yep. so yeah. yep personal freedom Mm -hmm. and, liberty and liberation man i know yeah john now they were now they were the guy fox mask exactly right man exactly it yeah this was uh this is the one they recorded on john's 30th birthday when george dropped by oh okay okay so this was the 30th birthday one huh i didn't yeah. i you know i i had heard that, that that was one of them and i wasn't um sure which which one of those that that was but remember i think is such an awesome song you know it's cool too is remember has got such a cool way that it deals with 
time in it, like the time signature of it. Yeah, it's like the piano drives the beat instead of the drums on those. It does. And the changes come in very strange places because, you know, when you write songs, a lot of times you go like one, two, three, four, two, two, three, four, three, two, three, four, four, two, three, four, change, two, three, four, like in, in terms of the verses and the choruses. He does like very odd things in it where he goes like, one, two, three, four, two, two, three, four, three, two, three, cha- like change on the three and then picks up the one, two, three, four again. So it's really clever, man. And he does that kind of stuff all the time, um, which is sort of like it's like street genius. <laughs> it's like really like cool. Like that something he just, you're born with, not something you, you know, yeah, it takes me four to five minutes just to follow that. Uh, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, and he hears it, man. You know, so I mean, uh, I love it. Uh, that's a, that's one of my favorite songs, man. And and I, I listen to that. I listen to the whole album all the time, but that's one of the main songs. I always make sure I hear that one. I probably, God, this sounds like, like crazy fanboy shit, but I probably <laughs> listen to that song I'm sure I hear it at least four times a week, every week. I mean, it's really one of my favorite, favorite songs. So. This is the one. Yeah. This, because of the bomb, this is the one that um, I think it was over yeah. eight minutes long originally. And, and he had to cut a bunch of stuff out and replace the stuff at the end, which is the bomb part. Oh, really? I never yeah. knew that, man. That's pretty cool. I'd so, like to hear the whole thing. Yeah. I'd like to hear that. It's out there. <laughs> That's it's on awesome. YouTube. Really? I love be that. Wild. Or, or call Peter Jackson. He's probably got it. <laughs> he knows where to get it. If you give him a call, tell him that you know like a, a stumpy little Italian actor in, in uh, Los Angeles that would like yeah. I'll get back with you as soon as I get through to Peter Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the love. Now, I told you that uh, when you brought up this album, I was like, wow, I've ne- that's a John Lennon album that I really never listened to. But this is one of the tracks on it that I knew. And, yeah. Um, I really, I really like it. I mean, it, uh, it's got to use the word love in it more than any other song ever made, maybe. <laughs> but it, like, it's, it's almost like a companion song to all you need is love, but let's play a little bit of it. Remember the little cartoon, the Love Is cartoon, where they have a little boy and girl. Feel yeah, like the, usually yeah, a single was, panel. Yeah, it, it makes like, me think of that. Absolutely, the early seventies. I remember yeah. that. Really. Yeah. So you think that he wrote that for Yoko? Maybe he did. Yeah, I've I've, I've read that before, and but it almost seems like a church hymn. Guys, you want to know something crazy? I don't know if you guys are you guys Catholic. Um, I was born Catholic. I was raised Catholic. Okay. I don't know if I'd still. Yeah. Well, I guess once. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm, sense, I'm not. Getting, but yeah. Yeah. No. Not. And, and, and it's not like. Are you Catholic? But, but yeah, I, 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 I know the tenets of Catholicism. Well, <laughs> you know, I um, 
I was in church maybe three years ago, and during communion, they started mm-hmm. playing the Phil Spector piano part. Like after you, after you get communion, and everybody, yeah, and everybody sits down, and you know the priest is like doing, which I've always been fascinated about and understand so very little about is when the priest mm-hmm. is like cleaning all the various com- communion components, and all of a sudden I'm sitting in church with my wife and. And they're playing the piano part from love. <laughs> yeah. I, I go, nice. I'm like, wow, that's like, that's like love, John Lennon. And she's like, she's not as much of a loony fan as I am. So she didn't really pick it up. But yeah, so I guess, you know, the, the Catholics uh, find, uh, the Catholic yeah. uh, hierarchy must find value yeah. in that because yeah. that's the, that's the cleanup More song. popular than Jesus. Oh, <laughs> ah, look at that reference. Look how you <laughs> in there man yeah zing Jesus christ zing. died for your sins john Lennon. <laughs> yeah 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 there it is man very good aaron yeah we we belonged to a like new agey church out here back in the early 2000s called uh called unity and um best part about it was the music they had this this guy that came in and played you know keyboards every week and it was always kind of contemporary songs. And in, in the he probably played John Lennon Love and yeah. a, bunch of, a bunch of other stuff. I, but, isn't that, that the best part of going to church, though, the music? I mean, really. Was. Was. I mean, whether That's it's another church. podcast. We'll do a church podcast. You know what I want to do? Um, who was the gentleman that you had on who I liked? I liked that guy a great deal. He did the fresh fruit for rotting vegetables. Oh, Mike. Mike Hilbig. Mike, Mike Hilbig. Yeah, you know, I thought he was a super cool guy. I really liked him. And I would love... Um, you should read his short story collection. Yeah, you know, I want to read the book. I was going to ask you guys about that because I, I, I found him to be a very, very nice guy and a good-hearted dude. And I, I always, you know, when people are... And we're getting off the track, so I'll, I'll, I'll veer quickly on this. But I know that when someone is... Um, like Catholic or religious like I am, but I'm definitely an open-minded Catholic and and Christian, man. I'm, and, and I always want to talk to people that are agnostic um, or, you know, even if they're atheists with good hearts. And I like, I would love to talk to them about um, viewpoints, not to convert them or to change them, because I, I like them to see that not everybody that is um, Catholic or Christian is like, um, you know, people that want to burn in the rye and, yeah, and judgmental and, uh, uh, dare I say, and please don't anybody write me, Trump supporters, which I'm not. Um, <laughs> it's like, you know, a lot of us are actually liberal, open-minded, open-thinking people, man, you know? so um, I think you might have a bigger problem with Mike on the topic of baseball, actually. Uh-oh. What? No, he would. He's from Houston. Yeah, he's, he's a <laughs> professor at the University of Houston. So maybe we'll give it a, a couple months after the season ends here. Oh we'll, no, we should get. That. I hope there's a game seven. We'll schedule you two to get. We'll do a. We'll pick. Um, a, hey, if there's a game seven, man. We'll, pick, a, we'll pick an Eggy Pop album or something. Dude, <laughs> I love it, man. I'm ready. Well, 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 well. well. I, I, oh man, that's a that's a banger. That might be my favorite song on the album. That or Mother, probably. That's good. That's a good one. Yeah, let's play a little bit of Well Well.
son of a bitch, man. Love Ringo's drumming right there. Dude, right? <laughs> Dave Grohl. That's Dave Grohl's favorite album, right? You don't, you don't, you, that's Dave Grohl right there, man. Right. <laughs> right. I saw, I saw, uh, uh, Foo Fighters cover Honey Bee, a Tom Petty. Kind I of love that song, thing. dude. I love that Great song, song man. I could see, I could see Grohl playing that. Did I rank, did I rank that number one on the, uh, I think we, you we did. Had an, yeah. We had an assignment for our, uh, for our Wilburys podcast, we had to pick our top five Wilbury songs and top five non-Wilbury songs from each Wilbury. Okay. And I think my number one Tom Petty song was probably Honey Bee, wasn't it? I think it was, yeah. And for good reason. It kicks ass. And it's like... I mean, there's another one. We could do five podcasts on Tom Petty as far as I'm concerned, man. There's a guy yeah. I really miss being in this world. Um, I mean, God, man. Tom Petty was like, and he was I, tight with George. Oh, completely, man. I don't think Dan the Torpedoes um, left my car stereo tape player. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is pre CD, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I don't think Dan the Torpedoes left it like once. Um, I remember just moving to Los Angeles and just all those songs. Another podcast, but yeah, I remember my my first Tom Petty experience was uh, when he was on SNL and did Refugee. Oh, God, dude! Uh, Yeah, the whole career. Like, only recently have I listened to um, uh, Room at the Top. You know, um, um, Swinging. You know, uh, the the album he did. Rick Rubin, you know, it's only been within the last few, I, I knew all of his, you know, the greatest hits albums, probably the greatest, the best greatest hits album there is, you know, all that stuff in the eighties and nineties. Oh, dude. And Southern accents and wildflowers. I mean, I mean, wildflowers, that dude, Echoes. like, yeah. man, that guy mm-hmm. is uh, Southern accents, Southern accents, man. I mean, God, man, he, he's, he's a, a, a beautiful artist. And one of those guys like David Bowie, I'm really sad they're not in the world anymore, man, because, uh, you know, they went way too soon, man. And it just sucks. Yeah. It sucks. I can't, I, sometimes I can't really. Bowie and Petty went really quickly, you know, in a short time span from one another. I know. I know. That, man. Was, that was a one, two, three punch. But it, punch got punch. Got punch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yep. I mean, there's not a lot of, I mean, what is the meaning behind well, well, I don't know what the meaning is other than just a great, there's more primal screaming in it. Yeah. Klaus Vorman. I got it. I think, I think well, well, well is about frustration and rage at our own helplessness and the desire to want to do something about things when we are really maybe a lot of times unable to do things, but we still have to give it a, a, a friggin' try. He, he, um, he has one line in there where he says, uh, we, um, we both were nervous, feeling guilty and neither one of us, uh, knew why. And I think it's like, I feel that a lot of times, you know, I mean, I'll put on television, like, like for instance, and not to get too deep into this shit, but like you put on CNN and you're getting a leftist view, you put on Fox and you're getting a right view um, it's really hard to know where to go in terms of that type of thing where you can actually get, just give me the news. Let me make my own view. And when it's all said and done, kind of have to read the news instead. I think but that depends on where you're reading it from, man. Right. But it's, it's you know, easier like, to pick and choose 
Whereas if it's just picking from TV sources, your, your limitations, your, your options are very limited. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think that's what he's talking about, about going out to the, the field and looking at the English sky and talking about basically he's, he's observing the world and the, and the, and the flaws and the foibles and the difficulties. And he's saying, man, I'd like to do something about it, but, uh, I'm not exactly sure what to do. And I feel guilty about it. And I don't even know why I feel guilty. This is a tough place to be in. And we're all still witnessing this shit right now and looking at it. I mean, um, for myself personally, I don't know where you guys stand. Clearly, I mean, I've spent my entire life being a left of left person, but I feel so let down by the Democrats and I've never been turned on by the Republicans. Um, when I heard the, um, the, the, the fresh fruit for rotting vegetables broadcast that you guys did, which I love that podcast, by the way, I'm talking about Jello Biafra. Um, in San Francisco, auctioning off <laughs> positions, yeah, yeah. and it's like I'm like, dude. I I mean, and I've met that guy a couple of times, man. And I just love that kind of stuff. So I think that's kind of where John's coming from right now. Is it's like, wh- what do people like the three of us do in this world? What do we do? Well, we vote. All right. I'm not even. I mean, I'm not telling people not to vote. Um, I will vote. But I mean, I'm not even sure what what to do with that kind of stuff anymore. I mean, I go and vote. I I write in Bernie Sanders. I mean, and he's like, you know, the hell, man. I'm, yeah, you got your deal there. Yeah, there it is, man. I don't, you know, Aaron's guy. Yeah, there it is. Good for you, man. And I'll be there. You know, I'll vote. But let's face, it, like we look. At these I'm gonna vote twice. Now, once my wife's here, boy, man, don't let don't let the Trumpies see that, man. They'll I'm be kidding. Like, once, once my wife's, once my. Yeah. Well, Aaron can attest. I've swung. I've swung uh, dramatically different ways throughout my life politically, but I'm I'm happier yeah. with myself now than than I've ever been, probably because I feel like I've come back to uh, into focus. You know, somebody like Trump brings you back to reality really quick. You know, it's like. That guy was uh, just a uh, personification of everything that could ever go wrong with the, you know, and with the political system, and yet still be it. Like Bobby Dylan says, man, don't follow leaders. Watch the parking meters, man. And that's kind of how <laughs> that's kind of how I view it right now. Don't need a weatherman. Know which way the wind blows. Know which way the wind blows, man. Yeah. Know, dude. So that's kind of how I feel right now. But I got hope for uh, you know, Aaron's son. How old's your son, dude? Uh, 15, 16? Um God, they're all twenty one and over now. Oh my God, dude, you do not yeah. look like you could have a, a children over 21 well i mean 20, i 21 23 25 i think they are right now yeah. and well, the grandkids are seven and nine damn dude you, you're a great uh, yeah haley's haley's 30 something i love it man and her mother her mother looks like her sister <laughs> dude, geez, Haley, man, that's yeah. a good thing well i hopefully all these kids my oldest is 30 34 okay 35. so that's like in the range of my oldest and then i got to yeah. have yeah, I mean, I have 15 up to 36, man. And, you know, with my kids, man, I just feel like I, I've got a lot of hope and a lot of She's faith. 36. Wow, she's 36. Or she will Hopefully be December. They're going to change it all, man. I mean, I, I, I got faith in them. I don't think they're buying the bullshit. So they're not. Either. Yeah. I think, John, yeah, that's it's John would appreciate that, man. Yeah. Um, look at me. Um, look at you. Look yeah. At you. 
that a red stapler? Is that a swing line? <laughs> um, I, you know what? I keep falling back in comparisons because I'm not gifted musically. I can't say, oh, well, the chord progression on this is like, you know, C, D, C, D, D flat, I whatever. I can tell you this sounds like Dear Prudence. Prudence and Julia, yeah. and, and it's, Julia, it's, it's like a, yeah, it's, it's like a continuation track of, the of the White Album. Yeah, yeah, it's my least yeah. favorite track on the record, though I because it is the most insecure track on the record. But I'll give him props. I do feel like there's an openness and a rawness to it. But when he's saying, "Look at me, who am I supposed to be?" I kind of feel like he knows who he's supposed to be. I felt like this was the biggest hedge of the album. It is the one that I always go tink and go by it is my least favorite of the tracks on an album that i adore but it is most definitely personally for me my least favorite what do you guys think this is actually a white album outtake that song is it is it really wow. i did not know that man okay that all right then there you go we're, we're still we're talking about look at me right yeah right. yeah look yeah. At me. yeah it didn't it didn't make the cut on the white album and he dusted it off yeah. yeah, you know what? I see why it didn't make the cut. Uh, it's it is it is by far to me not nearly at the well, level that those they already had. They already had Julian Dear Prudence too. I mean, how many that picking style did they? Need? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I I I will say I I do appreciate Florida. you know the openness to his insecurities on it, but I find it to be a non-driving, non-compelling song. Uh, like who am I to sit here and say that about yeah. John Lennon? But it is that's my. A, that's favorite. a good category we could add. Is uh, if we had to cut one song from the album, what would it be? And yeah, that is a good I'd, one. I'd go along with "Look at Me." Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, and it'll only take two votes to do it. Okay, uh, so uh, this, on, this album's on. this album's fucked. They've lost. They've <laughs> lost the song. Wow. <laughs> Got to turn back, turn in all our old, all our old LPs. They're gonna regroove them for us. Exactly. Yeah. Yoko's sitting there going, Dean, Aaron, <laughs> Phil don't like this song. We're f- next reissue. It's out. It's gone. No, no, they got to go back and redo the ones that are out in the field. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They'll go knocking on doors. <laughs> so we talked about. God and how we might de- might dedicate an entire podcast to that. I don't think we're going to do that, but we should definitely listen to a part the of concept it. by which we measure pain.
God is a concept by which we measure our pain. Maybe the greatest opening line of any song. More gospel pianos. Billy Preston. Billy Preston. Makes sense. Yeah, I was going to ask which track Preston played on because I didn't know. but That's him. That's okay. him. Okay, well, I'm going to give you guys my thing with this song. I have a really weird thing with this song. Um, this has always been one of my absolute favorite songs of all time. It's always been in my top five favorite songs. Um, as I've gotten deeper into my Catholicism and deeper into my beliefs, I got to a point where I felt sort of bad about listening to the song because he says he doesn't believe in Jesus and he doesn't believe in the Bible. And um, and I felt he like... He doesn't oh, believe man. in Beatles. Well, that yeah. I could uh, go doesn't with. Believe doesn't, doesn't believe... Yeah, I could definitely go with not <laughs> believing in that piece of shit. But I mean, in terms of not believing in Jesus, not believing in Bible. Doesn't believe in Elvis, doesn't believe in doesn't yoga. Believe in Elvis doesn't believe in I Ching, doesn't believe in, in Gita, <laughs> doesn't believe in, in mantra. I mean, it was like, but Buddha, you know. Um, but now I think I've come to a place with it where I do understand what he's saying is, is that the belief um, is not out there. The belief is in here. And that Jesus and God and what's right and what's beautiful and what's transcendent is is in us and through us not in an ego yeah. sense but in a in a the connection to the divine the connection to jesus the connection to god the connection the kingdom to of heaven's within the kingdom of heaven is within well said aaron exactly and, and so i think in the words of george clinton that and i didn't inhale was the uh the the p-funk george went oh that one oh yeah different one okay wasn't george the one that peed on the white house lawn oh no that was billy that that was his his brother that was bill's brother (laughs) exactly man no listen uh, billy carter billy carter right yeah sorry i got my deck good old billy this song is wistful and um resigned and defiant and transcendent and it is one of the most beautiful to me and i know this is sacrilegious to me i like it better than imagine it is my favorite solo john lennon track i think it's um the dream is over what more can i say um and so my friends you know we'll just have to carry on um, I was the dream weaver, but now I'm just, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps. I mean, that is for a man that age to come to that place with love for his comrades, with love for his brothers, with love for people's perception of the Beatles, um, with no disdain for anybody's religious beliefs, not knocking any of those things, but basically saying, as Aaron so succinctly put it, the kingdom of heaven is within can you dig that? Fuck, man. That is, what a statement, you know? Free your mind and your ass will follow. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is within. <laughs> yep, there's George, man. Exactly, dude. And and that's that's exactly, that's it, man. And um, uh, what can I say? I mean, God, it's just, it's just one of the most beautiful, uh, well-crafted, well-sung, well-written tracks ever. I like I said, I could do a two hour show on God. It's just a great track, man. What do you guys right. think? How did it how did it set for you guys? No, I agree. I, I agree. It, yeah. It's a good companion piece to imagine, I think. Mm-hmm. They're, they're like of a you know, in the same vein for sure. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean the the whole album there's 
there, there's a lot of great tracks on it, and you wonder why they're not lost to time. I mean, there are people like you that keep carrying it on. But in John's mind, I bet he there's a, a little bit of uh, bewilderment as to why some of the – you said you liked it better than uh, – well, you said Imagine, which is another John Lennon song. But, is that the same uh, year? The following year. The following year. Following year. Following year. You just wonder – I know, you know, you just wonder why uh, they didn't gain more. It didn't gain more, you know, momentum and more steam over time. And so many solid songs. Well, think about, I mean, first I always, of all, I always go to Shaved Fish when I go for for John Lennon. But yeah, that's the greatest. That's, that's the greatest hits. I don't yeah. think I ever realized that. Yeah. Until, that's, that's until recent. Hits. Well, you know, man, Phil, I'll tell you, I think that um, John does this thing. You know, George sort of is like, George is a funny guy, man. He's 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 irreverent as hell, and he likes to poke, um, you know, he likes to poke at sacred cows, and he certainly is a brave man to wear his um, his Hindu beliefs on his sleeve, um, and writes. God, I'll, I defy anybody to name anyone who's written more hit songs about God than George Harrison. I mean, dude has written a lot yeah. of God songs, man. Um, but maybe I, Cat Stevens, I don't know. Maybe Cat, maybe Cat Stevens. Uh, before he put the um, the not uh, counting gospel singers, <laughs> right, right, right. Before he put the uh, kibosh on Mahalia Jackson, Stephen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But you know, I think John really challenged. He challenged us so much with these things, and I think there's so many people that are peripheral Lennon fans. Uh, and that's fine to be a peripheral Lennon fan. I don't knock them and I don't feel that at all. But I do think that as when you take a deeper dive with him, I think he does challenge you in a certain respect, much in the same way as we talked about earlier, the way 70s cinema challenges you. Whereas the ending is not something that says everything is tied up and everything is perfect. And this one lived happily ever after. And this one was damned to eternity. And this, you know, 70s movies makes you scratch your head and go, well, fuck, now what? What's going to happen? Especially things like Godfather when they're kissing his ring and they close the door on Kay. And it's like, wow, what's going to happen? What's going to go down? The curtains open. Yeah, the bloodthirsty killers making his spaghetti and meatballs, you know, sprinkling on his parsley or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> whatever it is. And he's just like the charming, sweetest, chunky uncle you ever had that you just love. And he, meanwhile, he's going out and killing people. Yeah, right. I mean, and I do think that John was part of that zeitgeist. I think he was part of that sensibility that was that that was happening at that point in time. Stanley Kubrick, another, you know like amazing human being that was making these things Scorsese, obviously Coppola. I mean, so many people doing things that were just um, really challenged our humanity and really, um, and John did that. And I, you know, I still think to this day, 2022, as we sit here, you know, in the fall of 2022, and I'm still not sure that people really want to do that. Um, And God, please don't anybody write me, but I think that's why people like Taylor Swift, um, are successful. She's certainly a talented person. I know she's got talent. I, I, but and it is nothing to do with age or nothing to do with being out of touch because I like the most cutting edge new things. But I do feel like people don't want to be challenged in a real way right now. And I think that John Lennon and people like this do challenge people in a way that maybe necessarily they're not ready for. It's to answer your question, Phil. I think a lot of people don't want to face 
these uncomfortable yeah. realities, man. You know? Well, the Beatles was the best thing that happened to them and maybe the worst thing that happened to them individually, creatively. Right. You know, the Beatles, they have a certain number of songs that, that are thoughtful and introspective in this way, but this is like a powerful testament. Each song, almost maybe with the exception of one, <laughs> but almost every single song was heavy and saturated with meaning and uh, emotion and primal screaming and, you know, dirty guitar playing. I mean, it was just very uh, personal. Yeah. And, so let me, let me yeah. ask you guys a question with what you guys think. So John was did a, we, did we cover the last song? Yeah, we're going to cover it. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get it, but I just wanted to ask you guys a question about this just real quick. Who today do you guys feel, if anybody, pushes buttons in the same way that John did or that maybe Bob Dylan did at that point? Um, today? <laughs> Kanye <laughs> West? Oh, God. Um, no, that's, a, that's my Hollywood Squares answer. Let me think. Lady here. Gaga? Yeah, I don't know, dude. I don't know, Aaron. I don't think I think Phil yeah, not think not like Phil, not like that. Though. I think what Phil said is the truth, but oh, I, the, the um, buttons he's pushing are hateful. Do you know? Do you know Peaches? No, I've heard girl called Peaches. Yeah, Check out the, the Peaches of Peaches. What else is in the teachers? Peaches like sex on the beaches, huh? What rise? What else is in the teachers? Peaches like sex on the beaches, huh? What rise? What else is in the teachers? Peaches like sex on the beaches, huh? What right? Pain away. Pain away. Pain away. The pain away. The pain away. The pain away. The pain away. Pain away. The pain away. Pain away. Pain away. Okay. Where do I do that? Wherever you wherever you stream music. What's the name again? Peaches. Peaches. Okay. I'm going to yeah. check that out. Okay. I, I yeah, that, that's a good point, though. I mean, uh, it would probably be a rapper. And unfortunately, I mean, uh, he's kind of a modern day feminist genre. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. But I mean, Kanye making these anti Semitic statements, I mean, I think he's done so many things and then siding with Donald I Trump. Just, and, I think he's just mentally ill. Yeah, I mean, I do agree. I think it's gone in such a crazy direction right now, man, that it's just like, yeah, I know. God, I'm going to have, like, I'm going to wake up to 7,000 emails of people like <laughs> between Trump and Kanye, but I don't think Kanye is like making any friends right now. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, it's it's hard to really find anybody that's really willing to do that at this stage of the game. I think most people, you know, don't go there. Yeah. I mean, I would, you know, it's going way back to say something like public enemy or something, you know. Public it's, enemy in terms of PIL, like Johnny Lydon, Johnny Rock. Or do you mean public I mean, enemy like Chuck D and uh Flav? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, but, oh, yeah. Yeah, as far as really outspoken political uh personal I I saw like, them without Flava Flav at a Bernie Sanders rally. They they performed. Yeah. Where was but, that? Um LA Convention Center. Okay. So interesting. 
I mean, um, it's hard to find it. And certainly what ends up happening is when people do do that, other than when they do it like Kanye does it, and then Kanye becomes a sort of a, uh, he's like a carnival, a sideshow carnival person. Yeah. Um, because of his like anti-Semitism, which is a ridiculously horrible place to go and a stupid he's, place to go. He's lost and, like a billion and a half dollars or something. Yeah, I mean, like it, it's <laughs> just wrong on all for all the reasons of life. <laughs> you know, so I don't get it, man. But it's apparently very- he marched into the Skechers office the other day and got uh, physically removed yeah, trying to out, cut yeah. a shoe deal with him or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh well. Adidas took a long time to cut ties with him. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're a German company and they really didn't like the optics of it. But to the point, we've hashed over this for five minutes on who, on a comparable, you know, artist and we haven't really come up with anyone. I I, I threw out peaches. Peaches. I'm going to check out peaches. I don't know anything about peaches. So you've educated me, Aaron. I'm going to dive in there. I haven't haven't listened to her in a few years myself. I might have to dive back into the peaches. I'm going to dive in and see what that's all about. How about uh, Jen Ash? I'll let you think about that one. She's an upcoming (laughs) guest on our show. She's an artist. She's coming up soon. Okay. Okay. All right. That Jen Ash uh, episode. Yeah. So. our final track, final track of the album is a very short track called My Mummy's Dead. All right. Sad marriage of three blind mice and her majesty, like that last track on Abbey Road, this little short outro. Yep. I don't even know where to start with that 49 second uh, work of brilliance. Uh, Empty, aching, broken, um, recorded in a way that it almost sounds like monotone, uh, a recording that is... um, crass and um and brittle and ugly sonically and um like literally like a raw exposed nerve like a tooth in your mouth um and saying all these philosophies all of the legend of john lennon all of this stuff that i'm talking about all these things that you're looking out uh, at me and looking up to me and i'm all this incredible art that i've created um, my mom died and I didn't know whether she loved me or not. And, um, it's all from that. Yeah. Wow. I mean, geez, point. Man. I mean, it's like, 
Uh, who's doing that now, man? Okay, who's making that statement right now? Uh, sure as shit, no one I know. Sure as shit, not me. I mean, I, you know, I tried in game day to be as honest as I could about um, my issues in life and the issues that, that are around it, but not in 49 seconds, not with that brilliance, <laughs> not with that rawness, not with that, but that's because he's friggin' John Lennon. How could you end this album any other way? Like, fuck, man. Like, I have one note. He originally set out to write it as a haiku. No huh. shit. Five seven five, huh? Man? Yeah, he didn't. He didn't get it, but <laughs> he didn't need to. Uh yeah. That every time I hear that, it makes me want to cry. Um, it's just uh, it's amazing, man. It's an amazing way to end an album, man. Um, and if you listen yeah. to with a failed haiku, <laughs> a failed haiku. And if you listen to Dave Grohl, like, um, uh, God, what is the song? He uses the exact same tone, tonality, the exact, almost the exact same song. Um, uh, God, what is the song on his his most popular album? Um, it goes into Monkey Wrench, and it is he told he on, he says it in one of the interviews. He completely stole it. Um, mm-hmm. It's just. It's just a brilliant, brave, ugly, beautiful way to end uh, one of the greatest albums of all time, man. And it's it certainly gives us all something to shoot for, um, probably never attain even close to. But it certainly sets the it sets the, um, you know, the the level to to try to hit it, man. It's what did you guys think of it? No, I agree, man. Exclamation point. The short and sweet uh, to the point. Uh, personal, everything that the album is that precedes it kind of packaged in a, you know, 50 second, uh, uh, testament. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, here's why. Wow. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Kind of, kind of gives me the same feeling though as, um, another album, the first album we did on this, in these series, the, um, Wing we- the Mollusk. They have an outro that's a reprise of Dancing in the Show tonight. It's just kind of haunting as well. (laughs) I have to get get into Ween more. Um, Don't don't go all the way back. Check out The Mollusk first. Just do The Mollusk as an album. I will do it. I used to play with a a, a drummer, uh, Greg Sweeney, a beautiful guy and a phenomenal drummer. And his brother, I believe his brother's name is Mike, was super Mm -hmm. involved with those guys if he wasn't in it. Um, but I, I've never gotten into them and I've had so many people that I respect, like you guys tell me about them. So the mollusk is the name of the uh, record. That's, that's the one you got to check out. Yeah. Okay. They, uh, I will. They I'm recorded most of it on, they recorded most of it on acid on the Jersey shore. I'm trying yeah. not to play softball with every one of these Aaron's audio audibles and say, Oh, that's great. That's great. But I have to say that was a very good album. The very good album. I, I, very I'm going to listen to that it, on my it, run. It has, to, it has to grow on you though. Kind of does. It does have to grow on you, but you listen three times. It's like clicking <laughs> three times in Oz or something. You know, then the so magic. Was Mike Sweeney one of the members of that band? No. Um, it's, they're a duo basically. Well, that they, um, they tour with more people, but it was um. They call themselves Dean Ween and Gene Ween. And Gene Ween, right? Yeah. I think I think my buddy's brother was very involved with with them over the years. He may well be, yeah. Um, um oh, you're I'm from Pennsylvania, yeah. They're, they're from New Hope. 
Yeah. yeah. That's super oh. good. That, that's, we that's, that's the one I want to set out. That's, that's their concept album that's going to trip you out. All right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's some really good stuff on that. There's some really yeah. trippy stuff. I mean, just uh, yeah, check out our episode on it. Musically. I will. I will. will blow your mind. Um, Absolutely. But we aspire to do this show in one hour and we're consummate failures. We always go <laughs> almost two. Uh, hour and a half. <laughs> hour and a half. Well, I got to tell you guys, I do my fair share of podcasts and uh, I really I, I have... We met each other through doing a podcast, and I absolutely consider you guys complete yeah. friends and buddies. And we, you know, you know, we talk to each other aside from had the, had the honor of seeing you in person. At, and uh, I had the honor of seeing you out there, man. That was a fun gig. That was a real that was a real connection with the audience gig. But I have to say, man, I really I really do appreciate you guys and Lise too. And um, man, I, I appreciate you guys letting me come on and talk to you guys about this album because. Uh, yeah. I, I, it's an album I love and I really appreciate the job you guys do. You guys do a great job, man. You're good people, man. So well, it's thanks. Awesome. thanks for having my band on and you guys, sure. yeah, uh huh, has been good to me. So I, I, I truly appreciate you guys. Man. So thanks we should talk about on again. You got game day on Tubi. Yep. Amazon. Did you say Amazon Prime? Uh, Prime? Tubi and Apple Plus. Apple and Plus. Amazon Prime and we're, we're definitely it's getting out there and people are actually starting to and also the the, the series that you're getting ready to Yeah, I, you know, I don't know if I can say yeah, it good good not, luck with man. it. Don't tell it's, us. It's a, it it's a really uh popular series with the sports orientation to it that Adam McKay is doing on HBO. Um nice. and uh it looks like there's a good shot I'm going to be a recurring role and I'm <laughs> a um you know, it's really crazy. Kurt Rambis, aren't you? No, no. <laughs> kidding me, man. This five times this whatever wish to be. No, this is actually more of my alley. I'm playing uh, one of the greatest writers of all time, uh, a, a journalist that um that I absolutely uh, grew up reading uh, as a 20-year-old and 30-year-old uh, uh Jim Murray, who is oh, one yeah. of the great writers of all time and I'm I have the privilege of playing him. Um so um, tomorrow is is day one, and we'll see how it goes. I'll, hopefully, I don't fuck it up too bad. But Very I've cool. uh, I've Love dived in, and um, and I'm also getting ready. Uh, uh, Val, who co-produced, and Pete, who co-produced Game Day, we're getting ready to do another one. So we're kind of getting all that going on, and cool. things are good, man. Working away, got a blessed family. It was right. so awesome to see Aaron out there, man. We were up there <laughs> in Aaron's neck of the woods, and. Uh, it was a, it was a great show and having Aaron there made it even better, man. So it's doing good. We're, we're gearing up for our winter, uh, winter shows and stuff and what we're going to do. It's, it's kind of a little crazy time now still. Like people are kind of getting, cause now it's indoor concerts. Yeah. Indoor make days. sure you're, make sure you're vaxxed. <laughs> I'm vaxxed. I got it guys. I got it like three weeks ago. I got COVID man. And, oh, no. uh, have you guys had it yet? I okay. have it. I've had it. It, it was mild, very mild. Uh, no it was for me too, man. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was pretty mild, but I got it. My wife got it. My parents got it. Mm. My kid got it. Um, so I'm thankful. What were your symptoms? <clears throat> cold for me, you know. And I'm not. I'm not downgrading it. And I know it's more. But honestly, it was a cold. Yeah. I felt shitty for a day, and then I was like, I was literally. I got to be totally honest with you. Day day two of having it, I was running eight miles. Uh, you know, I mean, right. I, I really felt all right. 
I wouldn't run other people outside, you know, so I kept distance. I wasn't spreading it to anybody, but I mean, uh, it didn't really, I mean, it felt like a cold to me. Um, and and same thing with my wife, but people have to be safe, you know, do what they got to do, take care of themselves, man. That's, that's for sure. But, uh, stay safe at those indoor shows, man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. We're going to see what's going to happen. The, the casinos are starting to uh, open things up and, and figure out what's going on. And um, we had a phenomenal summer se- uh, summer season. And uh, Yeah, you know, it looked like you guys were busy. It seemed like you're playing somewhere almost every night, every other night. Constantly. And the response was a, a complete blessing. Uh, we have a great group of fans that, that come out and see us play. And uh, again, I cannot say enough about Tony and Kevin and uh, Ed. I've, you know, you play your Hollywood swinging in Moorpark, man. Dude, man, I'm (laughs) telling you, you spend your whole life playing in bands and hoping you could get the right group of guys. And then uh, I've been playing with these, this group of guys for the last, some of them for more, eight, seven, eight years. Ed's been uh, on and off with us for, but this group of guys hit it in your late 50s. Who'd have friggin' thought it, man, right? Uh-huh. right. That yeah. was a fun show when all you guys were on. Tony oh, was they awesome. love you guys. Yeah. And they love seeing Aaron, man. It meant a lot to them to see Aaron out at the show. And, in fact, uh, cool. I just talked to Kevin uh, earlier today, and he said to say hello. Aaron. Oh, hey, yeah. Kevin. Hello, Aaron. Yep. And, uh, say hello to those guys for us. Yeah, and Phil. And the wives. So, yeah, um, Kevin said in terms of the, the show and said, man, I, I like those guys. They're real people. So um, tell Lisa that every – I haven't talked to Tony or Ed, but, but Kevin said to say hello to all you guys. And, um, yeah, man, I mean, it's um, very blessed to play with those guys and be in a band. Took long enough to get in a situation like that, man. But, um, hey, yeah. man, for now, yeah. just keep rocking. See where life takes you, right? Yeah. Any ETA for when Lisa's going to be home? Hopefully two yeah. weeks. Your two weeks. Yeah. Well, send, hey, send her my love. Big thumbs up. Hope yeah. she's doing better, man, and uh, hope yeah, she's get well soon, Lisa. All right, yeah. you guys have a great night. We have social Twitter, yeah, uh huh, pod Instagram, yeah, uh huh, pod Facebook, yeah, uh huh, pod website www.yeah-uh-huh.com. So let us know, hit us back, have a great week. Yeah.